Welcome, and thank you for joining with us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20 this evening. Exodus chapter 20, and I was, the song we sang, uh, The Love of God. Uh, for many years, I, I didn't despise that song, but I didn't like it very well. When we lived in North Carolina 27, 28 years ago, whatever it was, we went to a revival over in Gastonia one night, and I forget who the preacher was. I think it was somebody we knew was preaching over there. We went over there one night, and uh, the guy who was doing the invitation got saved out of the honky-tonk. And he must have sang... 25 versions of that song for the invitation. And I left there saying, I hate that song to death. And uh, he kept trying to change it up. So I walked down the aisle, make the preacher look good. I get it. I don't know what the reason was. But anyhow, so I've learned to enjoy it again and not just endure it. But uh, anyhow, uh, it's been good. It's been good to serve the Lord. And uh, just as Todd was singing, just thinking about how God's been good to us. And just can't, I don't have time tonight to go through those thoughts tonight of uh, how God's directed our life and all the things that are going on and what we get to enjoy now in life, which I thought we never would be at. But anyhow, God sure has been good. And not only that, God is good. He's not just good. He is good. And that's, that's his nature. But uh, some of you know this story. Yeah, Exodus 20, you're heading there. You know where that's at. We're going to do all Ten Commandments tonight, and we're going to get out of here. And uh, it'll be quick and, and uh, painful. But... Uh, uh, but some of you have a version of this, but I got this little story about a pastor was having a discussion on one day, how to stay happily married for 50 years. Big house. Big house. <laughs> Separate bedrooms. Anyhow, some of you know the version. This is the true story that, that I think. But he was having a little uh, time together. He invited church members who had been married 50 years to give reasons for the success in being married so long. And one member uh, his turn to be up, his name was uh, Cyril, and he'd been married for almost 60 years. And the pastor invited him to give the audience an insight on how he's been able to be married 50 years to the same woman. That's important, too, the same woman. And Cyril stood up and he said to the audience, well, it's very simple. I treat my Betty with respect. I gave her whatever she asked for. And took her to all the, uh, I took care of, I took all the flack she gave me with a smile on my face. And the pastor said, is that all you did? He said, well, no, that's not all I did. On special occasions, sometimes I would take Betty to faraway places. So tell us, Sarah, where have you taken her to? He said, our 50th anniversary, we went to Beijing, China for our 50th anniversary. Well, that's great. That's wonderful. How many Christian husbands would take their, their wives to China. I don't know why you go to China anyhow, but anyhow, go for it. Amen. Chinatown, but I'm not sure about China. He said, what are you going to do for your 60th anniversary? He said, I'm going to go pick her up. (laughs) (laughs) And going to bring her back. Amen. What a wonderful husband. I know some of you heard versions of that, but that's the original version. Anyhow, let's stand on our feet as we normally do here this evening. Read a few verses here of Exodus chapter 20. And I want to finish up a sermon I started last time on Sunday night. 
and uh, we're going to go through it tonight, try to be quick if I can to go through it, but I want to teach us something and help us in this matter of having a passion for God, a passion for God. Look at verse number one, and God spake all these words saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children upon the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and shown mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my command. I wonder how many people have really taken time and read those verses before you get to the commandments, how much God cares for us. Verse seven, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Thank you, Lord, for a chance to look into thy word this evening. We thank you for uh, a great group of people tonight. The, the spirit is moving, Lord. We're kind of feeling comfortable and casual with each other. We can enjoy ourselves. And what a great feeling that is to know that you're working among us and through us. And Lord, I ask you please tonight that you listen, uh, that you give us all listening ears and a listening heart as we listen to what you have for us. Speak to us through your word this evening. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Appreciate that. A few weeks ago, I think back in the middle of August, I spoke on, on Sunday night, and I talked about how to have a passion uh, for God. I talked about loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, remember, and all thy mind. And that was kind of the introduction. I only got to one point. And in there I said, uh, the very first point was, uh, how can we lose our passion? And one was an unbalanced schedule. We have an unbalanced schedule. I'll hit these more a little later on here, but I'm going to Go over the rest of them real quickly for the intro, and then the second intro, and then to the message, because I've actually put two sermons together here uh, to get it done tonight, because I see some of you are just overly passionate about this sermon. Some of you are listening, some of you are not. All right. So I said, unbalanced schedule. I said, uh, and I'll say tonight, the second is an unused talent. God's given you a talent or ability, and you're not using it. Uh, unconfessed sin. We'll go over these a little bit later on. As I mentioned, I'm just kind of giving you uh, where we're headed here. Unresolved conflict. Any of you have an unresolved conflict in your life that you haven't dealt with? Uh, between you or God? Between you and your neighbor? Between you and your wife in the big house? Whatever it may be, unresolved conflict. Uh, unsupported lifestyle. I'll talk about that a little bit here. An unclear purpose. An undernourishment uh, of spirit, if you would, that will kill our passion. There's a, and I mentioned there's seven things here. I'll go over those in a minute here uh, for, for one of the points here. But I want to stay plugged in to God. Because like Todd said, you do have bad days. And we do have bad weeks. And sometimes some people have a bad life. That you got to learn how to deal with those things and how we're going to deal with that uh, in our life. So how do I have a living, vital, daily relationship with God that keeps my spirit uh, uh, nurtured, and keeps my spirit uh, healthy, if you would? And, and it's very important that we do that. Uh, don't just trust the fact you've been saved for a long time to believe you have a healthy spiritual life. Because that thing has to be cultivated. That thing has to be weeded. That thing has to be nurtured. It has to be taken care of. 
And uh, so what I want to start with this evening, I mentioned already two introductions, if you would, and then just three quick, four quick points about that, the text here this evening. But quickly, first of all, I want to say this in the intro. Uh, we got to remember this. Remember this, how I stay passionate, even though I may be disappointed, even though I may be discouraged, even though nothing's going my way. How do I stay passionate is this. I got to remember what God thinks or what God feels about me. We're going to see that here in a text this evening, what God thinks and how God feels about us. You, you, know, you know it, but we forget it. We know that uh, God hopelessly loves us and cares for us passionately, but we don't live as if we understand that or we know that. You know that, but we forget it. Uh, 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 it's like your wife reminds you often, do you still care for me? Do you still love me? Right? If not, there's the other bedroom. You know, get your own supper, get your own meal, whatever. Uh, uh, go out in the garage, go out in the, in the dog, anyhow, whatever. But are we passionate? When the first eight verses here of the Ten Commandments, it tells us how we ought to live and how we ought to feel about God. Do you know that God is passionate about you? He's not thinking, oh, yeah. There's another one of my creations. There's another one of those, those men I, 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 uh, I created. What am I going to do with them? No, God is passionately in love with you. Passionately cares for you. He made you to love you. You were created to be the object of his love. And the more you understand how God is passionate about you, the more passionate you're going to be about God. Don't we all like to know and feel like someone loves us and cares for us? And I remember when I was young and uh, I was interested, uh, or still am, interested in girls. Or girl, I should say. I mean, I don't know about girls. I don't know what girl's side of the story is. I know as a boy, I was trying to find any girl who would talk to me. Any girl who would smile at me. Any girl who would even give me the time of day. And I understand, I didn't realize that girls flirt and don't mean anything behind it. I got that right, girls? Amen. Yeah, I got that right. Okay. But I didn't know that. But I, I'm like a most normal red-blooded American male who know who I am and know where I came from. And I was moved by the fact that some girl would have an interest in me. And then uh, find, I found one that was able to become passionate with me. And here I am, 42 years later almost. We forget how much God loves you, and we begin to, if you would, maybe the term, maybe not, but blow them off. Because we don't think God loves me just as much as we know we should realize how much he loves us. We find things, and I'll give you a quick answer, a quick, uh, uh, answer to your problem. Is this right or wrong for me to do? Let me ask you a question. Whatever it is you're t thinking about, does it change your uh, uh, attitude or your relationship with God if you do it. We're living a day in Christianity. We're more passionate about everything else and we just, got, we just have God plugged into our schedule. God's a schedule time. He's not a lifetime passionate person we relationship with. We know the story. Whatever you spend most of your time with is what you really care about, what you really love. 
And, and, all, and it's hard to balance all those things. I'm not going to get into that this evening. It's hard to do that. Uh, well, boy, if there's a good movie on, forget uh, reading, the, reading my Bible tonight because I didn't get it this morning or whatever your schedule may be. I'm going to watch the movie. Uh, God will still be there. Try that with your wife. See how far it gets you. And sometimes he may tell you to go watch the movie and leave her alone, but I got that figured out. Anyhow, but how do I know God's passion? How do I know? How, what's the proof? The proof is on Calvary's cross. The proof that God loves me beyond what I can even imagine is the fact that he would allow his son to go to the cross. He stretched forth his hands on the cross. They nailed him on the cross. He was, in essence, saying, I'd rather die than to live without you. And that should ignite our passion to realize that a God or the God was willing to die on the cross, say, I'd rather die than to uh, live without you in my life. That's a moving thought. This is how passionate God is about his creation. I made you. I love you. I'd rather die than live without you. And in fact, the suffering of Jesus on the cross shows us his passion. The Lord's Supper, communion, which we take, is a symbol of the compassion that God has for us, that Jesus Christ had for us to go to the cross. And, and I want you to remember when you take this, how passionate I am about you. Listen, I don't know about you, but I've never actually gave my life up for anybody. I hope are you passionate enough for some, somebody I would do that if I had to. But I couldn't imagine giving up all my children because I was passionately in love with my creation. That shows me how much God loves me. And Acts 1-3 talks about the passion of Christ. As we think about the love uh, that God has for us, and we think about all the things we're going through, and listen, I think a big cure for most of our issues today would be the fact that there's a God in heaven who loved me so much. He gave me the greatest gift that anybody could give, and he paid for it. That should ignite our passion. That should ignite our love for him. I don't know what's killing your passion. Maybe it is an unbalanced schedule, as I talked about. Maybe it is the fact that, that uh, you're taking in so much of one and not giving out. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, I talked about the bullfrog syndrome. We just take it in, take it in. We never give it out. And we're just loading ourselves down with things. And, and uh, I even believe this. I mentioned this before. I believe sometimes some people, don't put yourself in the category, but some people are so busy serving God, they are not passionate about God. They don't have time to reflect and to uh, think about the passion God has for them to give them uh, something. We get so busy that we don't truly love and think, spend time with God as we should. Or maybe you need to say, God, help me because I'm not doing enough for you because I'm passionate about you. Help me to do something for other people. A new one I mentioned this week is maybe it's an unused talent and God is saying to you, Maybe you need to get to a new place. Maybe it's time you get involved in a ministry. Maybe it's time you get involved doing something, uh, serving me. Uh, get something, well, I know people say, and I've heard, I've pastored many years, I understand what people say. Uh, well, begin something new. 
You be the person to get it going. You be the person to start off. Uh, you use the gift God's given to you. Uh, I can remember uh, where, where I was in the Bible college at, we had a, uh, obviously a pretty large church uh, with thousands of people going there. And the uh, most amazing thing to me about that church was the fact that if someone had a burden in their life, they used that burden to start a ministry. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. There was a family in our church that they had a blind, I believe it was a blind daughter. And that blind daughter, of course, changes your life. It affects what your, what your plans may be. But they took that, that blind daughter's uh, 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 handicap, if you would, and they used that and they started a blind ministry at our church, reaching blind folks for the Lord bringing them to church on Sunday and having a class for them and bringing them to services on Sunday uh, so they could be a part of the church. See, they took the burden they had and they used it for the Lord. We had a deaf lady, uh, who had uh, someone who was deaf in her family, and she started a deaf ministry many years before we were there. And this deaf ministry, they'd bring 100, 150 people to church every Sunday. And they'd be back there doing sign language uh, to deaf people. Why? They took the burden or whatever God may have laid upon them. They were passionate about loving God. And they started a ministry out of that. Because they had a talent. Some of you can sing. Some of you should not sing. <laughs> I'm thinking one in particular. I had a conversation earlier today. He probably shouldn't sing. I don't know. I've never heard him sing, so I couldn't tell you that. But if you can sing, I think you ought to use your talent. Not in the pew. In the choir. Singing specials. Get involved. Why? It's a talent God gave you. Some of you can, can use your hands to do things. Uh, uh, get with me. Get with one of us and we'll find something for you to do. I can find something for you to do, brother. And I can get off the ladder. Amen. And uh, I get yelled at for doing that. But anyhow, uh, but whatever it may be, tell God that I'm passionate about you. I know you love me, so I'm going to use what you've given me. Next was maybe we have unconfessed sin. We lost our passion because we haven't confessed our sins. If you don't confess it, uh, uh, you need to confess it. You need to keep a, a good uh, record, if you would, personally, and keep that clean with God. I understand there's not a one of us that's without sin. But I understand this tonight, that there's not one of us that has to live in unconfessed sin either, by the way. We can always come to the Father and make that right. Thank God for that. Maybe there's an unresolved conflict. And what you need to do is walk to a person, even tonight, and make that right. Get it right. It's a shame in Christianity that God's people can't get along with each other. There will be disagreements, and there will be issues. Why? We're human. We say things. We do things uh, off the cuff, not on purpose many times, and we do things that we shouldn't do. I, I'm all for that, but I think we ought to go make them right. And what really concerns me is, and I know I'm, I'm going down a path here that, that it's not popular anymore, what concerns me is it used to be a day when God's people would come down to the altar and get right with the conflict between their, them and their God. We no longer do that today. So my issue is, if you don't do it at the altar, where are you getting right with God at? Because I got a feeling every one of us weekly have a conflict between God and ourselves. Because none of us are perfect. There is none righteous. No, not one. But that squelches our passion. We've become so professional 
and being Christians, we no longer feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in our lives because we think we've overcome that. There's a conflict. Maybe the cause of our passion dying is that we're living in an unsupported lifestyle. You've been trying to do it alone. You need today to get, get some of God's people into your life. You need today to allow some of God's people to be a mentor, to be a help to you, to be a guide to you. Find some people who you believe are godly and walking with God and get close to them and spend time with them and hang out with them and help them encourage you in the things of the Lord. I'm, I'm very concerned about what's happening and I'm guilty of this. I'm very concerned about uh, before church and after church, we're not talking about God, we're not talking about the Bible, we're not talking about the message. We're talking about everything else. Concerns me. I know there's time and place for everything. Uh, man, when, I, when I was pastoring our church, uh, I would not let anybody, any Christian in our church who had a business do anything, talk business to people in our church. If I heard about it, I came and talked to you. It's not a time for you to grow, grow your business in church. It's time for us to grow our spiritual life in church not our businesses. But you know, companies today, they, they signal out churches to go start their business and plant the seeds and get things going. And a wise pastor say, hey, this is going on. We've got to stop this before it gets anywhere. Well, we're not here about business. The Lord's business. But we've got to, so who are you hanging out with? Who are you, what are you being involved in? I'm hitting little rabbit trails off of here. Some of you are getting the point. Some of you aren't. Some of you are saying, where is he at today? But listen, we need to have some people to help us support the way we're living so we live right for God. Next thing is some of us live with unclear purpose. What is the purpose of your life? Why are you here? And we can lose our passion for God because we forget why we're here. We are here to serve the Lord Jesus Christ all the days of our life. We serve him at work. We serve him in our family. We serve him in the store. We serve him in the restaurant. We serve him at the ball game. And we serve, we serve him everywhere we go. We're serving the Lord. And we represent him where we're at. And my purpose is that whatever, whatever my hands and feet find to do, I do it with the Lord in mind serving him. Uh, and listen, I, I, I am not the outgoing, uh, glowing personality that you all think I am. I, I'm, I'm very happy to stay in my own little room. Well, that's not, not true, but my own little place. But I found out that God didn't leave me here to hang out in my own little place. God left me here to do something for him. And that is trying to influence people for the cause of Christ and encourage God's, God's people to finish serving Christ all the days of their life. So I'm going to do my best to be an encourager, not to be a discourager. Oh, you know what? Uh, oh, Pastor, this is going on. What do you think? Oh, I think you ought to stop right now. You're worthless. You can't get this done. Don't worry about it. God has someone else to do this. No, that's not encouraging people. And I, I've learned many years ago, one of the best tools I ever had is pastoring, that I don't see what you are now. I see what you can be someday serving God. Which, what can you be? And I've had some of the rat meanest and ugliest rascals in the world that I pastor, and I said, God can't use this person, but you know what? God can use that person. What do you see? Where can I see you going? Uh, help you give you a purpose. 
The last point of these is this. Maybe the cause of, of our passion dying is that we have an undernourished spirit. Undernourished spirit. Focus your heart on, on the strength that only God can give you. Draw upon the nourishment of God. And you say, well, that's enough for one sermon. I haven't got to the sermon yet. We're going to get there in a minute. And, and I, I, oh, I didn't realize I spent so much time. And uh, but anyhow, but uh, uh, draw uh, as, as day goes by, please choose some good food. I'm not going to go down the food bit because you all get mad when you talk about food. Preacher can be as mean as you want to be, but don't mess with someone's food and their diet and their ice cream and their candy. Amen? So I'm not going to do that. But we all know this. You are what you eat. Same thing spiritually. You are what you eat. And you can come here and get the buffet on Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesdays from here, but three days is not enough for a week. Man, three meals, I will make it past Monday. And we've got to have nourishment. So how do I, play plugged, how do I stay plugged in? Uh, and we're going to get, get, get here's, here's a sermon. You ready? Here's a sermon. Number one is this. And they're probably saying, is he going to get to the notes yet? Uh, here I am. You ready, guys? Are you awake? Here I go. Number one is this. To our verse, verse number one. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Number one is this. We must live each day with one truth, front and center. One truth, front and center, the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. How do I live passionate? I cannot have any other God before my God. When Israelites were, Israelites were challenging Moses and testing God for food and water and God brought them out uh, of Egypt and performed these miracles, they never, they lost the purpose of what God was doing. They lost the purpose that they were a treasured possession, a priestly kingdom, a holy nation, and they lost the purpose of who they were because God uh, uh, God was no longer their God in many ways. Uh, back in chapter 19, verse 5, it says, Therefore, if you obey my voice indeed and keep my commandment, that, uh, that shall be a peculiar treasure unto me, and above all people, for the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are all the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. It begins with this, that I am the Lord thy God. There shouldn't be anybody before me. That's how you stay passionate. There should be anything. What, what gets Barry Murray out of the bed in the morning that I realize I have a God and there's nobody before him? Because Barry Murray now does not want to get out of bed. I've reached the point. I soon not get out. But guess what? When you have a relationship with God, he doesn't let you rest too long. You got to get up. You got to go. You got to get up. And me, in my life, I get up. I get up. I haven't used an alarm for I don't know how long. And I'm sorry about that. I apologize for that. I know some of you, you have to live by And I'm sorry about that. But if you go to bed early, you get up early. But anyhow, it's another story. I, I've, done all, I've done all that stuff, but I can tell you this. I don't want to start any day of my life without sitting down for some time quietly in God's word and meditate on God, meditate on his word, because I like God helping direct my day than me directing my day. 
Because there will be no other gods before me. Moses' law lays out God's law as it's written in the heart of man since the time of Adam. Children of Israel, we understand, were traveled from Egypt uh, to, to Mount Sinai by the grace of God. And then God says, uh, if you want to receive the law or the commandments, and they foolishly agreed to, to uh, 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 have the law given to them. And uh, they've enjoyed a trip on eagle's wings from Egypt. And they, they didn't realize what they had because they were a little hungry, a little thirsty. And I'm not going to spend time. I have a whole section here on the eagle. I talked about that before. But every one of us that say this, this evening, we've been moved out of the land of bondage into the presence of God on, angels, on eagle's wings. We should live every, every day of our life that way. Doesn't mean we're not going to have trouble. Doesn't mean we're not going to have problems. Doesn't mean we're not going to go through things. Perhaps uh, uh, we should think about this eagle. As I mentioned, I'm not going to get on that thought today. I have uh, much more to say than that. But realize we've been delivered because God is our God. So I know there are gods before me. Oh, tonight, I wish that we all would realize that God did save us from the Red Sea death until life eternal. God could easily said, okay, Israelites, you're complaining already? All right, Red Sea, just fall back on them. The same hand that held the water back could have just been moved away. I love the fact they walked through walls of water on both sides of them. You know, the first aquarium ever in history. Moses, uh, Moses is walking through the aquarium. What a great sight that would have been. But we fail to realize that. We fail to realize how, listen, uh, Pharaoh's army could have destroyed the Israelites. Yet God delivered them. And boy, God, God sweetened their water and God delivered them with food from manna. And they forgot all about those things. Why? They, they began to make other gods. Why was that? Because they came from a land full of multiple gods in the land of Egypt. And you and I live in a world today that is full of all kinds of gods. And it's getting worse. It's getting worse. We are lifting up men who do not deserve to be lifted up, making them high and mighty that should not be high and mighty. And we've displaced God in our lives. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. When you and I die, you're taking nothing with you. Your little gods that you worship, they may be in the coffin with you, but they're not going with you. But we live that way today with these little gods that are more important than our God. Number two is this. Acknowledge the I am as creator. Acknowledge the I am as creator. This is how you reunite your passion. Acknowledge the I am as creator. Verse number two. I am the Lord thy God. Acknowledge him as your creator. Jehovah is self-existing, independent, eternal, and fountain of all being and power. He created the moon and the sun, the stars. He created the Milky Ways. Uh, man has never even come close to understand the highness of God. We need to understand that God is our creator. We're living in a day. I, I just, 
the smartest people in the world talk so foolishly. Talk so foolishly. And, they, 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 and, they, and the truth is, because the problem is they don't talk, they don't start with God. They start with man first. But, but we've got to be so careful that we don't fall into that trap as, as, as God's people that we all of a sudden, well, this guy seems so smart. That means nothing. Degrees, to me, are nothing without starting with God first and the Creator first. I mean, how smart do you have to be? I mentioned Sunday school. How smart are you if you believe all of a sudden there's this huge explosion and here we are? Have you ever exploded anything in your life? Have some of you guys gone fishing with dynamite and you shouldn't have? Oh, I see. Some guilty people here. And you throw that stick of dynamite in the water and all of a sudden the most beautiful rainbow and scenery comes up out of the water after you blow it, after you blow it up, doesn't it? No, hopefully a bunch of dead fish blow up. That's what explosion does. But how... How intelligent do you have to be to realize that all of a sudden there's a big bang from stuff we don't know where it came from, and all of a sudden, here we are. The earth, the atmosphere, everything we enjoy, everything we have, uh, everything we have enjoy in life. And all the, how smart do you have to be to believe that? And we're living a day, listen, nothing more tells me that than the fact that we believe we can control the climate how foolish we've come in our thinking today. Why? Because we don't believe there's a creator. And you say, you, you don't believe in that? Not at all. Not, not, all right. God has a finger on a thermostat, not me. He may give us dummy thermostats to try to think we're doing something, but we're not doing anything. We, we, listen, I'm all for cleaning things up. I'm all for doing things most efficiently, I'm all for. If it can be cleaner and done better, I'm all for it. Don't get me wrong, not whatsoever. I'm not for destroying God. We're, we're supposed to be caretakers of God's creation. Amen. I'm all for it. But at the same time, to give millions of dollars away for nothing to somebody who's not going to do anything but blow the money is foolishness. Why? Because we've come to a place that we don't believe God is the creator. Listen, man has used 10% of their brain to invent some of the greatest things in the world. And man, we are, we are inventing things at a, at a rate that it, it just goes day by day now, not by year by year. It used to take years to develop things. Now it takes days. And we're, we're, we're but still that only say, uh, they say we're only using 10% of our brain. But God has always revealed himself to us through preachers, prophets, disciples, and yet we cannot comprehend because we don't believe God's the creator. Number three is this, and I'll verse number two, and I don't give a solace before. Acknowledge the I am as a redeemer. Acknowledge the I am as a redeemer. Verse number two, out of the house, I don't know if you ever saw this before, out of the house of bondage. The memory of the terror of this oppression had evidently faded in the uh, life of the Israelites here. They had kind of uh, forgotten where they'd been delivered from and how quick we forget where we came from. How quick we forget, as we reminded this morning, that God saved you for eternity. How soon we forget those things. 
I am very kind of impressed in America that we've not forgotten 9-11. Because I kind of figured we would have by now. Now we're just, we're not united anymore. But we still remember it. And, I, and I'm really kind of surprised by that. Because we, sometimes we forget those things. But I believe there was such a diversity of people who were murdered that day, murdered that day. And it covered so many different races and religions and people of America that we're not going to forget. But I guarantee if that had been the house of God, we already forgot about it happening. There's just one little group of people. But we've got to remember this, morning, this evening that I am the Redeemer. You're not going to heaven on your own, bucko. You're only going to be saved through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. We will never know where we're at or where we're going unless we know the starting point from where we came from. Paul says that he's, res- he's been rescued from the dominion of darkness and brought us under the kingdom of the sun. The house of bondage was dominion of darkness, and God's reminding his people and reminds us, remember where you came from. Remember where you came from. I don't care if you were saved when you were five or when you were 55. You remember where you came from. I'm glad I was raised in church. I'm glad I was raised by a godly mother who put the fear of God in me. (laughs) She didn't fear me to get saved or not, but she put the fear of God in me. You're going no matter what you think. See, I know some of you remember, I know it's hard to believe. I grew up in church. There was no nursery. I'm not saying there shouldn't be one. Please don't get me wrong. Uh, I grew up in a day that the kids sat in the pew Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I had the wonderful opportunity of sitting with the preacher's wife. My mom would play the organ or she would sing in the choir. We were raised in a Nazarene church and, uh, out in the country and uh, had a big old bombastic type preacher that would preach. I had, and I uh, loved him to death. He passed away years ago, but I loved him to death. But uh, I grew up with the preacher's wife and she would grab your ear. She was mean for a preacher's wife. I used to not like her. And she took her teeth out, man. It was scary. <laughs> scary. And she'd run them teeth out at you, and she'd grab your ear, and, and she was going to tell mom when it was all over. It was all over. That's the way we grew up. I don't remember if we disrupted the service or not. I'm pretty sure four of us boys did. I'm not too sure uh, what was happening. I don't remember ever uh, getting called out by the pastor, by the preacher, but I may have been. But I know this. Thank God that I was raised with the opportunity to find out about God at a young age. But even with that in mind, I still know where I came from, and I still know where I could be at. And whether you were saved when you were young or whether you're older in life, realize that you have a redeemer who saved you from the house of bondage in Egypt and delivered you along the way. Lastly is this, number four. Acknowledge I am the only God. I am the only God. Verse three, thou shalt have no other gods before me. This commandment concerns Jehovah as the object of worship. Logically, it flows for us to understand who God is and what God's done for us and our obligation to to, uh, uh, obey him. But we got to understand where the Israelites came from. They came from a place where there was many gods. Uh, There was all kinds of gods that the uh, uh, Egyptians would worship. 
and the Canaanites on the neighboring nations would worship. They had many gods and many creatures. And even today, there are so many religions that have millions. They say there's three million some gods that the Hindus worship. I remember hearing that when I was there. I said, how do you keep track of them all? Three million of them. I couldn't get past 300 of them, alone three million of them. So they had no problem with just adding one more God to their list. So you got to be careful when you deal with them about their salvation. But it was a great temptation for Israel. We even know back to the part of killing the lamb and uh, putting the blood on the lintel of doorposts was an issue uh, with the Egyptians because the lamb was a god to the Egyptians. They had to be cautious and careful what they were doing. But listen, uh, as born-again believers, we cannot let something else come before God. He is our God, our only God. I'm not saying this and trying to be a prophet or whatever, but I tell you what, what I see happening in America today, if we, not, we no longer have a God. I don't, and I mean religions-wise right now. We no longer have a God like we were founded upon. We have many gods in our government, in our land, and you see where we're headed because there's only one true God. So how do I keep my passion? I understand who the creator is. I understand who my redeemer is. I understand there's only one God. That's how every morning I get up, my eyeballs open up. I say, oh, another day. Thank you, God, that you're my creator. Thank you that you're my redeemer. Thank you that you've given me life. Thank you I have a purpose. Thank you you've given me something to do. And when you do that, you reignite your passion daily for God. When we get down to the, uh, uh, the crux of it, we get so caught in the day-to-day, we forget that we need to take some time and acknowledge and be passionate toward the God who loved us so much, he sent his son to die on the cross for us. That's how you keep your passion going. I have a few reasons tonight, I guess, humanly speaking, that I could say, fooey on all this stuff. Things have happened in my life, in church, in church life with supposedly God's people, that I could say, you know what, this is ridiculous. I can serve God my own little island and not mess with any of this stuff. I think I can make a good excuse to do that. As probably most pastors could. But there's something more important than Barry Murray's feelings being hurt. Barry Murray has a passionate relationship with a God who's passionate about him. And it's not time to quit. It's time to stay busy. And the way you stay busy is by keeping your passion ignited. Keeping it real. Keeping it alive. Realize where you came from. Realize where you're going. Realize where you could go had it not been for your Savior. Thank you, Lord, for the word this evening. Thank you for the passion you give us, first of all. Thank you for the example of being passionate. Thank you that you love us beyond measure that we cannot even comprehend. You love us to a point that we we just can't even imagine how you would love us so much that you sent your son to die on a cross for us. That should move every one of us to have a passionate relationship with you. There shouldn't be any other gods before you. We should acknowledge you as our creator. We should understand that you're our redeemer. 
And we should live our lives realizing you are the only God that we are going to spend eternity with. We get caught up in the day-to-day. We do get caught up in the rat race. We get caught up in what's going on and we let things affect us. But God, we cannot allow what happens in this world to affect the passion that we have for you because you are passionate about us. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.